exploring interesting topics that impact our lives and fascinating ideas that get us thinking. I'm Kyle and I'm Kelly and this is Things to Think On. special one for the Christmas season. We're going to be talking about Christmas traditions and some of the history of some interesting Christmas traditions, not just in the U.S., but around the world and some of the interesting things that we found. So to kick us off, though, we are, in fact, going to start off with an interesting one from the U.S., and it is Santa Claus. Yeah, Santa. He's pretty central to our holiday celebrations here in the U.S. And his origins are interesting here. You know, the the United States is a fairly young country, so it's pretty fun to do some reading to see about, like, where things come from and how we've taken all of these traditions and formed, you know, our own thing here. Um, I'm sure a lot of people have heard of saint nicholas and i think some people may even think that that's like synonymous with santa claus but saint nicholas is actually uh, a historical saint um, from the fourth century a.d that it's kind of a dutch version i guess of what we think of as santa claus but quite a bit different because the dutch version of saint nick rode on a donkey and wore a tall bishop's hat and was much more of a religious figure than the jolly Saint Nick that we think of. But how did that make its way to the United States? Um, That actually happened when the Dutch were immigrating to New Amsterdam, or what we know as New York City, and they brought with them the traditions of Saint Nick. And so that is kind of the origins of Santa Claus here in the United States, obviously quite a bit different now. And the reason why that's changed is uh, there's been quite a few contributions over the years. Um, In the, let's see, in the mid-1800s, let's see, no, 1822, that's when the famous poem, The Night Before Christmas, or it's also called A Visit from St. Nicholas, um, that's when that popular poem came out. And the depiction that is in that poem of St. Nicholas has really stuck with us. He describes St. Nick as being jolly and plump and elf-like, quite a bit different than that Dutch version of being religious, tall, pointy, <laughs> you know, more rigid. And so that's that's a big shift. And that's, that's more where our modern ideas of Santa Claus has come from. Um, in the poem, though, he's a smaller figure. And so there was still some uh, evolution that has happened since 1822 when that poem first came out. Part of the reason that has changed, um, Coca-Cola, I think, would like to take credit for. (laughs) Uh, If you go to their website, they have a definitive history of Santa Claus ready for you to read about. Um, Pretty interesting. But they uh, use Santa Claus in a lot of their advertising in the 20th century starting in the early 1900s and so on. And they would use drawings and depictions of Santa Claus in the Saturday Evening Post 
uh, during the holiday seasons. And usually in, in those drawings, they would depict Santa with a lot of the same features, and they admit that they did base this drawing on um, the poem The Night Before Christmas, that depiction, but they would make him much larger. And that's kind of where our larger uh, in stature Santa Claus comes from, but they kept the rosy cheeks and the jolly belly and the elf-like attitude, I suppose, that we are familiar with with Santa. So that's kind of the evolution of Santa, and, and obviously commercialization has contributed to changing him over the years. A poem and advertising from Coca-Cola have brought us our modern version, which we shouldn't be surprised exactly. about, but yeah, it's interesting I mean, to realize that. When you dive into different cultures, there's some version of santa claus all over the world so obviously we've pulled from a lot of european heritage to get this idea father christmas is a little bit in there too but the the main contributors were the the dutch version saint nick and and <laughs> yeah <laughs> the palm and coca-cola that's really essentially where our american santa claus has come from and it, and it happened over a course of about what 300 years yeah yeah, so that's pretty interesting. And I'm glad it did because I really actually I love the whole tradition of Santa Claus. I think it's so much fun, even though obviously I'm an adult and I don't believe in actual man that's Santa Claus. I still believe in the spirit of Santa and I find a lot of joy in seeing Santa, you know, sp spending time with kids and, and asking them if they've been good this year and just doing that whole gift exchange, you know, in the idea of Santa Claus. I love it. I think it goes really well with um, the spirit of Christmas in terms of loving each other and trying to create this magic atmosphere of love and kindness. I think it's pretty fun. Yeah. It makes Christmas a lot of fun it to does. have that character and that that magic added to it. I agree with that. And that's, I guess, pretty much where those types of traditions and things come from is we shouldn't be surprised, you know, it's the stories and then the marketing behind it. That's where those things come from. So, yeah, it's a good poem, too. We read it frequently. Yeah, we do. Classic. Speaking of poems, our next interesting Christmas tradition actually stems from a very, a, a very old poem and comes from Iceland. So this is the Yule Cat and... Uh, is is a really interesting one. So this comes from uh, Norse mythology and uh, some poems uh, featuring Grilla, I believe is the pronunciation, who apparently doesn't have any real connection to Christmas, but would uh, come about to villages. And the only way to get rid of uh, her was to uh, feed her. So she would come around and she was a beggar and uh, would uh, basically would would seek out disobedient children. And the only way to kind of get rid of her would be to to like feed her or chase her away. And so that's what people would do. And she had a cat uh, who apparently was a, a vicious cat. Um, who would come around at Christmas time and who would search out people who hadn't received new clothes for Christmas. 
And this is the Yule cat. So this is kind of where the tradition came from. And it apparently has a few uh, different origins or different uses. Um, some people think that it was used by farmers as an incentive to uh, get their workers to process the autumn wool before Christmas so that, uh, you know, people so that they could get new clothes or others could get new clothes so that, you know, they wouldn't fall victim to the Yule cat uh, who would uh, either eat their meals if they didn't have new clothes or potentially eat them if they didn't have new clothes. So those were like the two outcomes, like the Yule cat would either eat your food if you didn't have new clothes for Christmas or eat you if you didn't have new clothes for Christmas, <laughs> which both sound scary because the Yule cat apparently is massive. It's like a huge house size cat that just comes around and eats you or eats people. It's the size of a house. The size of a house. Yeah. Um, and there's also the story that uh, the the Yule cat comes around at Christmas time and enforces good behavior. Uh, so it will come around and look inside houses for kids who have finished their chores because kids who have finished their chores get new clothes for Christmas. So along the same lines, basically enforcing this idea of new clothes for Christmas. So getting apparently getting new clothes for Christmas is an important thing and a good thing. And so it will look inside houses to make sure that kids have finished their chores, have gotten new clothes for Christmas. And if not, it will do the same thing. It will either eat their, their food, their meal, or will eat them. <laughs> so those are, again, the two things. Um, if they have gotten their new clothes for Christmas, it will move on. But if not, if they've been too lazy to earn their, their new socks or their new clothes, it will take the appropriate measures. So that is the Yule cat from Iceland. Yeah, so it's an interesting one. I love how all of these countries come up with different ways of keeping the kids in line. Yes. <laughs> all of these stories. <laughs> A giant cat. I'm yeah. coming. Yeah. The giant cat. Apparently pretty old. So that one comes from some Norse mythology or some Norse poems from a long time ago. But it is an Icelandic tradition specifically, or are there other countries like Scandinavian Probably. countries that also yeah. participate in the Yule cat story? Good question. It's, it seems like it's primarily in Iceland, but there are probably other ones that do as well. Cool. Yeah. Speaking of Scandinavian traditions and reading about interesting and strange <laughs> traditions, I stumbled upon one from Norway that I thought was pretty fun. Now, Norway has a lot of the traditional Christmas uh, celebrations that we think of in Europe. And of course, why wouldn't they? They perhaps could argue that they live the closest to St. Nicholas's home than anybody. <laughs> and they have real reindeer. So that's pretty cool. But one thing that's pretty interesting during the holiday season is uh, a tradition that stems from the belief that on Christmas Eve, wicked spirits and witches will come out and wreak havoc on those that are unprepared. So in response to that, Norwegians will hide all of their brooms away so that they can't be found. Um, and this is meant to prevent mischievous witches 
and evil spirits from stealing them and flying <laughs> off with them. <laughs> so that was pretty, that's a pretty fun story. Uh, it's short, but sweet. Yeah. I don't know. That one, and that's been around for a long time because it stems from uh, pagan beliefs and traditions, which a lot of Christmas traditions actually stem from pagan. It's a really interesting blend of pagan paganism and christianity but yeah that one's really fun i love i love christmas traditions that have witches in them that's just great yeah all right well then you're gonna love this next one because this one this one comes from austria and other german-speaking alpine regions apparently and this is krampus uh, i believe is how you pronounce it the christmas demon so he apparently is a half man half goat or something along those lines who punishes children so is uh, quite the demonic figure apparently on december 5th is uh, krampus knocked when krampus will go around and literally uh, punish any bad children and frighten People leave bundles of sticks for bad children or hit them with sticks and possibly steal bad children away. It, it really sounds like this one's just an absolute um, crazy time and, and really interesting. So, and it sounds like on December 5th, there are actual like Krampus balls um, and parties and different things like that. A Krampus run where people will go around... Um, <laughs> Uh, frightening and beating bystanders. <laughs> so like actual parties and festivities and things like that, kind of celebrating this. Where they're beating bystanders? Yeah. So. Isn't that called rioting? Yeah. <laughs> Possibly. I, uh, <laughs> Nothing like some good holiday rioting. <laughs> some holiday, some holiday rioting. Par the parades. So Krampus parades and whatnot. And it's used or has been used traditionally as like, like you were saying a real method for keeping children in line. Like if, if children didn't stay in line that Krampus would take care of them and not just like around Christmas time, but throughout the year and you had to survive. <laughs> they, they describe it that way. Like you have to survive that initial part in order to get to like the good stuff of Christmas. So if you didn't make it past like Krampus coming through, then you didn't get to Christmas time. So you didn't get like the presents and things like that. So it was like almost like a trial or like an ordeal that you have to make it through him coming and the, the beatings and, and him possibly even taking you if you had been bad enough in order to get to Christmas. And there were like pictures and stuff like, just literal horrifying. Oh yeah, they, they look terrifying. Yeah, really terrifying stuff of him, like uh, beating children. He, he's a scary guy. We were we were having this conversation earlier, like preparing to talk about this, and we decided not to talk about Krampus in front of our children because we thought it would be just a little bit too horrifying for them to yeah, know that it would be that there are some places that Santa Claus is paired with somebody like Krampus that is, is not just like a nice list and a naughty list, but it's a nice list 
and a naughty list where somebody might be coming and hunting you down. Yeah, I don't know what's going on with those Austrian kids that they need to go through, <laughs> go to such links. Our kids are scared of, not scared, they don't, they just really don't want to disappoint Santa. And the idea of getting coal seems to really hurt their feelings more than anything. That, that, they, that they might be on the naughty list. I think that it kind of, that idea is almost hurtful, not scary to them. So that's an interesting thing that you just want to terrorize kids into behaving. <laughs> You'd think that they would be like tipped off at some point where like one kid would have like a really, really mischievous friend that never disappears. And he'd be like, well, if, if anybody's going to be taken by Krampus, it'd be that guy, you know? Yeah, you would think that. Would. But, but then again, kids don't really, they don't usually think too, too deeply about that sort of stuff, do they? That's why it works. Yeah. Yeah. At some point. But there you go. That one, that one's an interesting one. Scary one, but interesting. Yeah. So there's a, another good witch story happening over in Italy. Now, in Italy, they have quite a few different ways that they celebrate across the country. It's, it's a pretty big country. I mean, in terms of like a European country. And culturally, they have quite a big variety of ways that they celebrate things. Um, one that is pretty interesting is about the Bifana. And she is a witch who is um, described as an old woman resembling like an old hag. So really the traditional witch that you think of when you think of just an old witch <laughs> that's riding a broom, um, that's, that's what she is. She's an old hag witch that rides a broom. But she's not a scary witch. She's a good witch. And she delivers gifts to children throughout Italy um, during the holiday season. And the children who have been good, get their stockings or their socks filled with candy and gifts. The children who have been naughty will get a lump of coal, but they don't ever actually get lumps of coal. Apparently they get a something kind of like a rock candy <laughs> <laughs> that is painted to look like coal. And um, it seems that it's actually pretty common for most children to get at least one piece of this rock candy that looks like coal because everyone's a little bit naughty throughout the year. So that's a fun, a fun one that they have. <laughs> the Bafana <laughs> flying around and delivering gifts. And she is covered in soot because she enters the chimney much like our Santa Claus here in the U.S., but she does it on her broomstick. And while she's there, if she has time, she might use that broomstick to sweep your floor. And that's symbolic of sweeping away the troubling times that you've had that year. So that's a pretty fun, a pretty fun tradition. That is. Yeah. And that broom seems like it might come in handy, like sweeping out that chimney too. Like the broom makes sense. Yeah. It feels like in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So Australia has some interesting and a little bit more lighthearted Christmas traditions. So talking about the Southern Hemisphere for for a moment, um, which is interesting because, you know, we in the Northern Hemisphere, we associate Christmas with snow, cold weather, things like that. But in the Southern Hemisphere, you know, it's summertime and it's hot. So, you know, places like Australia, and pretty much anywhere down there, you're, you're in the middle of summer. And so it is a lot different. So interesting when you're thinking about that, you know, Christmas in Australia 
is different. And it's fun for, I think, a couple of reasons that, you know, as we were looking at that, one is that it is on the beach. So as opposed to on, you know, on the ski slopes or just inside by the fire, Christmas time is out outside barbecuing and especially on the beach. So with Santa hats, apparently, because it's a, a really good time to still embrace those, you know, those Christmas traditions of Santa Claus and other things. And so sporting the Santa, the Santa Claus hat while at the beach and while doing other things, which apparently is really, really popular. And interestingly, it's, it seems like uh, Santa's reindeer will often get tired. So Australia is uh, apparently one of the later stops, uh, or it's looked at as one of the later stops on Santa's rounds throughout the world. And so in Australia, they look at uh, they look at it as a chance for Santa to give his reindeer a break and hitch up his sleigh to kangaroos and give the kangaroos a chance to pull his sleigh around the entire country uh, delivering the presents, which if we think about it, I think that makes a lot of sense. I think that would work pretty well. I'm actually yeah. dying to see that happen. I would really like to see someone hitch up a sleigh to a team of kangaroos and just see that play out. Because that sounds amazing. It does. Yeah. So it, every, if you can get through the boxing match first with them, <laughs> they, might, they might pull your sleigh. Everything about Christmas in Australia sounds delightful. I'm just, I'm just picturing it like barbecues on the beach and with your family and friends. Yeah. With family and friends. Being outside. Yeah. And, uh, Santa hitching up his sleigh to, to some kangaroos and just, it literally just sounds like a party. Yeah. Just an awesome, awesome time. Pretty much. And I think their Christmas caroling is a pretty big deal too, where they like to have almost like concert size Christmas caroling happening and gather together in like a concert type venue and just sing together. Not a, uh, that doesn't sound like fun. I don't yeah. know. Sounds pretty great. It does. So you may not realize this, but Christmas is actually celebrated in Japan as well. And um, it's not celebrated in the same way that it's celebrated in most European countries. It's not celebrated in a religious way in Japan because... There's really not a lot of Christians there, and unless they're moved there, expats, I guess you'd refer to them. But the Japanese still like to celebrate Christmas. They do a lot of uh, the same type of Christmas light displays that happen around the rest of the world. Um, and they really like to make beautiful ones and enjoy those Christmas light displays. But one of the big differences um, in Japan is that it's less... We think of Christmas as more of a, a big family affair and let's gather around with our extended families. We have a, almost like family reunions around Christmas time. But in Japan on Christmas Eve, it's much more of a romantic holiday for couples. And it's so popular. It's, it's similar to Valentine's Day here. 
Um, they have Valentine's Day there too, but it's different as well. So this is more, uh, Christmas Eve is more akin to our Valentine's Day here where, you know, the most trendy restaurants get booked up um, for couples to enjoy a night out and they give each other sweet romantic gifts and that type of thing. And it, and it looks a lot more like a Valentine's Day tradition. And if you do spend Christmas with your family, if you're settled down and you have a family, they do have a, an interesting Christmas tradition for families as well. Um, and that involves um, Kentucky Fried Chicken. Yeah. Uh, it is one of the most popular things to eat on Christmas Day in Japan. And it's the busiest time of year for KFC over in Japan. It's so popular that you need to order your bucket of chicken in advance to make sure that you have it. And this came about because they don't really, it's not easy to find something like a turkey or, you know, what, what traditionally you might eat in a Western country um, on Christmas. And so fried chicken is kind of a, a good substitute, really. And KFC uh, came up with an advertising campaign back in the 70s. Um, called Kentucky for Chick for Christmas, and they not yeah Kentucky for Christmas, and they basically put all of this uh, holiday food into a big uh, bucket or kit for you to grab and have more of a a Western Christmas dinner. So it became quite popular, and it has stuck. And now KFC is a really popular uh, Christmas Day meal in Japan. That's so good. Yeah. I just shout out to KFC for doing that. that... <laughs> yeah, that's some brilliant marketing, right? It now. is. It really is. But also it does make sense. I mean, it I mean, fried chicken is at least pretty American. I don't know how uh it probably isn't that popular anywhere else, but definitely here in the US, people like their fried chicken. Yeah, does it get does it get more American than fried I, chicken? I don't right? think it does. So so yeah, that one's pretty that's a good one. We love I we love fried chicken. That's yeah. Whenever my grandma used to visit, she used to live far away. She would uh that was like the tradition. She'd go to KFC, get a big bucket of fried chicken, and that would be that would be what we'd eat. We'd go out, have a picnic and have fried chicken. Yeah, fried chicken, some of the mashed potatoes. Yeah. <laughs> Mashed potatoes and the coleslaw. Yep. The biscuits, though. The biscuits, the biscuits. were really. Oh, it's all really good. good. I love it all. I'll take it. It's tough. Yeah. Nice. Awesome. Good on you, Japan. All right. This last one. So this is our last one. This is the weirdest one. This is <laughs> this is such a great one. All right. So we're going over to to uh, Spain's Catalan region, and this is the poop log. Which is just a great, great tradition. Can you spell that for everybody so everyone knows what you... The poop the, log? Yeah. P-O-O-P. He's actually saying poop. Poop log. So this is a log that poops out presents and candy. So this begins um, on December 8th, the Feast of the Immaculate Conception. Families bring out the the log, which is literally, it's a wood log it has like a face on it, a face and a hat that's smiling at you. And the children have to take care of this log until Christmas Eve. And so they feed it candy every day 
and they keep it warm. So they put a blanket on it. They take care of this log and feed it every day uh, until Christmas Eve. And then (laughs) come Christmas Eve, they take sticks (laughs) and they gather around. And they sing a song and they beat the poop log. <laughs> and they, yeah, they just beat it and sing. Um, and then they leave the room. And I apparently they used to set the log on fire. But since I think most homes don't have actual fireplaces anymore, they don't, they don't set the poop log on fire anymore. But uh, they leave the room and the log then poops out treats and candies and present and small presents and when they come back into the room all of this all of these things are there for them miraculously so that's um that is the the catalan poop log um there are other names for it but in, in keeping with our family friendly podcast we won't we won't use the other names but that's that's what it is so a, a relative or other family member will will put, you know, the treats or other things like when the kids leave the room, they'll they'll put, you know, some of those things there for them. And that's and this log will defecate those things. Yeah, I think that there's some instances where they've actually while they're beating it, they commanded to defecate. Yeah, so that's that's part of the <laughs> that's song. That's why it's is, called the poop. <laughs> yeah, is there is there singing the song, telling it to defecate out candies and treats and things like that. And then they they're hitting it, like beating it and, and singing to telling it to defecate. Which it is- really does sound pretty weird. But then at the same time, when I think about it, it's not that different than the pinata. We just don't usually say that the pinata is pooping things. But I mean, sure. If, yeah. you're, if you're OK with that kind of imagery, why not? Poop log. The poop log. Yeah. So that there you go. The Catalan region in in Spain. Uh, Catalonia, you you have some great things going on. It sounds like a really interesting region. They have a lot of interesting stuff going on over there, but that one, that's a, that's a really interesting tradition. You know, kids love that. They kids freaking love to talk about poop and stuff. I don't know why they just do. So, you know, that the kids are like loving the poop log. Oh, that's gotta be such, such fun to beat a log and have a poop out candy. That's got, that's like every kid's dream. You're like free to talk about poop. (laughs) And sing a song and, and hit the <laughs> yeah. thing. And then you come back and it's literally defecated like candies and treats and little presents for you. Yeah. I bet if we had a, if we had that tradition, our kids would just, they would they absolutely would die of happiness with something like that. That I feel like that would probably be a favorite tradition of theirs if we did something like that. So even though it's the weirdest to me, it also makes a lot of sense in terms of entertaining children. Yeah. And they're taking care of the log. So they're literally yeah, like taking care the of the log. Take, it's for, almost like adopting this log and yeah, taking care of it. And for, then it gives for the them, whole month of December, yeah. Yeah. Gives them the reward at the end yeah. for all of their no, careful that's, care. It's such a it's such a great tradition. I I was yeah, I almost am ready to to take that one on. I think that's a, that's just really good. It almost yeah. Feels almost symbolic of the idea of taking on like a farm animal and caring for it and feeding it and everything mm-hmm. so that it can produce this bounty at the end. Yeah, that's a fun one. Yeah. All right. It's yeah, that one that's so much better than Elf on the Shelf or something like that. 
Totally. I don't ever want to do Elf on the Shelf. That's well, way too much worst, work. Worst I mean, tradition ever. I don't, I don't understand why people think that's a fun one. And, and I am happy every Christmas when I think about how I haven't done it. <laughs> and, I mean, there's not any fun in having a little snitch in your house either. No, no. Nothing, nothing good about nothing that. Nothing good about that one. And the, the amount of work that goes into it. I mean, I remember thinking at first how, how cute and fun it looked like, but then it just, it realized the amount of work that goes into something like that. I was like, no, 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 never, never going down that road, never opening that box. And you just, you can't go back from something like that. And it just, no, I, I dislike it. Just like everything about it. I'd have to, yeah, no, we don't need a, we don't need a snitch in our house no, going no back and reporting everything that happens. That's, I don't, I don't even need that. I've got, I've got Santa on my phone. The kids believe it. I put his picture in my contact list and he's programmed in here. Yeah. Yeah. I'm the snitch. Yeah. And, and as a parent, just the amount of work that goes into the elf on the shelf. Like, yeah, I, just, I have friends that like do elaborate things every day with the elf to make it seem like he's alive and then um, it is cute i just i wouldn't think it's cute if i had to do it every day that doesn't sound like fun uh, no but another one of those traditions that was a poem and a story that got mm -hmm. very well marketed and now is probably a multi-million dollar industry for somebody Probably, but it doesn't seem like it's as popular as it was a few years ago. So I think it's, it's, I don't know. I'm not convinced that that one's going to be one that sticks long term. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. We'll see. Yeah. All right. Well, there you go. There are some of the interesting traditions from around the world that we found. There are certainly a bunch of other ones, but those were a few that we found really, really interesting that hopefully you found interesting as well. So with that, uh, hopefully you have a Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays, and we will hopefully be talking to you again in the new year. Yep. See you then. Thanks again for listening. If you liked our show, don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app. You can find out more on our website, things to think on.co. You can follow me on Twitter at Kyle Larry Evans. You can also find Kelly on Twitter at S Kelly Evans. See you next time.